Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Lord be on my mind, be on my and in my heart. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or, what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing among the angels of God over one then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that can come to me. And so the father divided the property between them. And after a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him, sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pod on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered the servant, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
Take the fatted calf and slaughter it. Let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. And the servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fatted calf, because he has in fact safe and sound. He became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out to him and pleaded with him. And he said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feed on with my friends. But when your son returned, he swallowed up your property with prostitutes. For him, you slaughtered a fatted calf. He said to him, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Anyone out there feel like they've been lost and found? Not everyone can relate to that. And it's dangerous to be lost, don't get me wrong. But to be found, oh, what a joy, oh, what a blessing. These readings today try to focus on that joy and that blessing, both from our point of view and something we can't even imagine, but God's point of view. But it also challenges us how we view that same event in others' lives. Let's go back to the first reading. A most peculiar reading. It's not the only place in the Old Testament you hear this, but it seems like Moses is talking God off the ledge. God wants to destroy his people in wrath. And Moses intercedes to them. This dialogue is broken open for us, not because God really can't make up God's mind, but to see both sides. You see, God in love created us. He gave us everything. We are his children. And yet, after doing that, we fail to acknowledge him, to recognize and appreciate all we have. And in the first reading, build a molten calf and worship it as God rather than the God who made all things, including that molten calf, or at least the material for it. And so what is the proper response or an understandable or a justifiable response to this God who created everything out of nothing? 
he could wipe it out and start all over again. Maybe one could argue he even should. But you see Moses interceding and God relenting in that anger. Moses is a type, a fancy word for someone who prefigures another. Moses is a type of Christ. Moses is entering that God dialogue with God the Father, showing both God's justice and God's mercy, and how he perfectly satisfies both of those in Jesus Christ. And although we had wandered from God, Jesus comes into the world to bring us back to God. These parables are addressed to both well, actually, that's the book. It's in the context of the sinner and tax collector, but also it's addressed to the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, God, in these parables, does the unexpected. A shepherd shouldn't leave the 99 and go find the one. This is the kind of God we have. And a father who's been wrong or disrespected the way that father has by the youngest son should, according to the culture, disown that son and make him beg for forgiveness. But instead, father rushes up, doesn't even listen to the apology, and embraces him and has a peace. This is the kind of God we have, and this is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And as he's doing that, reaching out to the tax collectors and the sinners, giving his life, pouring out his love, trying to share with them how important they are, what's happening? The scribes and the Pharisees, the so-called religious people, the ones who are supposed to be on Jesus' side, supposed to have his back, if you will, are criticizing and complaining. In other words, they're working against God and Jesus. God is Israel. How that must break Jesus' heart. And so, Jesus addresses these parables to them. And says, you know, this is the way God is. If you perhaps don't fully realize the great gift of a God like this. Part of the reason is because it does require sometimes we who think we're good like the older son to actually take on the mind of God. And it challenges us to reach out to the love of those that we might consider sinners or tax collectors. But any, many times, I don't know about you, as I look at my life, I can relate sometimes to the younger son know that I've talked to many people who've been lost and found, but a lot of us also relate to that older son. And if we examine our hearts and our motives and our lives in prayer, at least reflecting, I oftentimes feel anger, resentment, jealousy. And I compare myself with others I shouldn't. And I start to think I work so hard, yet this person gets a blessing. And it's to tell us that all of us are sinners. All of us live outside that banquet, whether we are more close to the younger son or the older or both. But God went out 
to where the father went out to that older son too, right? And he wouldn't come into the banquet. And he wants all of us to accept his love and be a member of his family. And that's going to affect how we look at others. And when we recognize those feelings that come up in us that are very ugly, it's good to recognize them. And you can't just stop them because feelings are meant to teach us something about ourselves and our values. And for me, when I feel those feelings, it helps me remember and do an extra stuff that to focus on the blessings God really has given each of us. This is an important principle, I think, of these readings. You see, we can look around at others and say, oh, they're more blessed. God cured them, doesn't cure them. My loved ones died. They're one of the ones get healed. I work so hard, they have it easy. But when we do that, what's happening is we're failing to recognize what we already have in Christ. You see, in Jesus, God has given us such a blessing. It's like the depth of the ocean. And on top of this deep ocean, there are ripples. And so, from a human point of view, we can look at others' lives and blessings and think, oh, there's all this difference. But if we knew the depth of God's gift to us, His mercy and His love of that ocean, the difference is getting smaller. God loves us so much that when we were all lost, dead, not having eternal life, not having the fullness of joy even in this life, he sent his son, who satisfied God's perfect justice, but more so showed us the depth of his love, and joined himself to us, sharing with us the riches of heaven, divine and everlasting life, that spirit and that joy that lives in us, despite sometimes the world's difficult times. And that gift is meant to be so great that it changes the way we respond to others, to God. It helps those feelings of resentment or anger dissipate when we remember that gift. And so, that gift is a blessing, it's a miracle, it's a grace, it's a mercy. So we can make room to experience that miracle. So every time I'm feeling these feelings like that older brother, I have an exercise that someone taught me that I love to do. Place myself in my imagination at the foot of the cross. Look upon what God has done for us. The depth of His love. Meditate upon that great gift. And ask God for the grace to know and experience the depth of His love for us in this great gift. And when we truly experience that, and over and over we're doing that meditation after tonight's gift, God gives us that grace. Each in different ways. To the younger son, he ran out, put the robe on him, and kissed him. To the older son, he came out and pleaded with him and tried to help him see his blessings he already had. And that's another grace we can pray for, right? Someone taught me years ago to try to be open to God's presence in our lives on a very minute by minute, second by second basis. Just walking down the street, have in your mind that God wants to talk to me today. God wants to bless me. God wants to show me His presence. And with that prayer or that mindset, amazing the little things we can see in our lives where God is constantly blessing. So let us ask and work for those two graces to know the depth of God's love and mercy and for the salvation of Christ to see His presence in our lives. And may the knowledge and awareness of that 
presence of God, the joy it brings, help us to love others, to be less judgmental, and to work with Christ on His mission to go out to others who are still searching and lost and to show them the love of God and to invite them into the faith.